Welcome to Educationally Sound, a podcast by Teacher Learning Network. My name is Amy Cotton, and I'll be your host for this episode. In this podcast, we're keen to listen to the stories of those working in education. Over the weeks, we'll hear from teachers and support staff around Australia. Education is the key to social change, and we wanted to find out how everyone who has dedicated their life to serving the future is going about their job. This means we'll be talking to those enacting widespread change at policy level, to those organising and volunteering at local levels, and most importantly, to those at the very front line of teaching. Today's guest is Rebecca Ross, who was recently seconded to the position of Accreditation Advisor of the Leadership and High Performance Directorate of the New South Wales Department of Education. You're going to notice at certain times during this interview with Rebecca that her sound and my sound overlap. Our apologies for that. It's actually due to a lag time uh, because of poor internet connections. We're certainly both looking forward to a time when Australia has high-speed internet throughout the country. Rebecca, you and I have volunteered for many years for the same association, the English Teachers Association of New South Wales. What I've enjoyed about volunteering with you is your dedication to professionalism. So to me, you've always embodied uh, high professionalism yourself, um, but you've also been a solid model for early career teachers t- as t- to sort of uh, look at and see how to go about expressing themselves yeah, professionally. So I can remember so so readily um, being that early career teacher, looking at people volunteering with the ETA and thinking, wow, how did they get involved in that? Um, the work I uh, do with the English Teachers Association um, has been uh, sort of a gradual process of getting uh, getting to know people, firstly in the association, um, and I think certainly having received the benefit of uh, so much of the, the work that other professionals do. And um, I started off actually, I remember speaking to um, Eva Gold, many of you listening will be familiar with Eva's work. Um, going up to a desk and putting my name down on a sign-up sheet and I had no idea who she was and I thought, oh, she looks nice. <laughs> I'll just, I'm, I'm okay at writing. I'll, I'll put my hand up for um, metaphor. And um, over time that's grown into um, something I just, I, I, I feel like it's, it's such a joy to do. In your work at the Department of Education, you've been working uh, in your education officer, an SEO2 position. Um, and uh, as an accreditation advisor, I'm really lucky I work with a, a really high-functioning team of people. Um, and we, uh, our team name is the, the Teacher Quality and Accreditation Team. So um, my work is, I, I'm very, I'm not in the classroom. So it's very different and, and quite hard to describe to a lot of my colleagues um, from schools. But it involves a lot of interpretation and application of policies around things like accreditation. Um, looking at there's a bit of an element of research there and certainly um, working across directorates um, and uh, and and also working with um, organizations like obviously the New South Wales Education Standards Authority Um, and we do everything from providing support um, that comes in to to teachers who are sort of having uh, questions about their maintenance of accreditation and so on we support the teacher quality advisors in education offices around the state. Um, yeah, we do a lot of a, lo- a lot of work, actually a lot of very high level work, um, really interesting work. And um, it's, you know, for people on the outside, they would describe it as an office job, um, but it's so much more. Well, I um, have worked in 
accreditation to pass as well. And it is so much more than just an office job because you are looking at uh, how people express themselves professionally through the standards, um, obviously the AITSL uh, professional teaching standards. But it's also helping people guide and define where they want to go in their career. So it's, it's a soft mentoring mm -hmm. process, yes, which I don't think a lot of people realise is happening through role, that work. And it's, been, uh, it's a bit like uh, so pulling the curtain back and seeing processes behind um, the everyday work that we do with teachers as well. So being able to take the recent school-based experience that, that we all have in the team and drawing on that in providing that support. And I love the way that you've put that actually. It's a really nice way to describe the work that we do. I'm going to ask you to pull that microphone closer. There's very little microphone work in the role. <laughs> I then asked Rebecca what made her excited to go to work every day. I certainly have never felt uh, a day when I'm not excited to come in and, and I'm sort of dragging my heels. Um, I'm excited about being on, on the forefront of what's coming and, and actually also recognising uh, what teachers are doing across the state. So I'm really proud of um, being part of that, uh, that team and, and being part of, um, you know, looking at uh, something that, can be quite abstract, um, but also seeing it enacted in, in a very real way. So I, I really love, um, I'm a bit of a, this will shock you, Amy, I'm a bit of a nerd and I really enjoy getting into language and, 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 and policy actually really interests me. Um, so, you know, that, that side of it and really digging deep into um, the reasons behind um, why, why we teach, but also the kind of um, evidence base that drives the kind of improvements that are, that are coming for teachers. And I'm very aware of the apprehension that, that, that sort of lingers around change. You know, I think that's true of any organisation. But being able to champion something that you feel strongly will actually make a difference for students because that's sort of what, what we got into this business for. That's what we, we came into this space because we were pulled and drawn to the idea of, I think like you said so beautifully at the start, um, shaping the future you know, and being proactive about that. Um, and, and even though it might feel quite removed, I, I really like doing that kind of work. So, you know, I'm trying to think of, you know, day to day, the kind of stuff that we do, but, you know, it might just be a case of, um, you know, being able to, so for example, professional development, you know, we've all got to maintain accreditation, but I don't think it's a case of we've all got to, but um, the consistency of teacher quality, it's one of those things that a lot of people talk about. Um, they, you know, how do we get that variability down? How do we increase the teacher quality? And it's very abstract until you can look at it in concrete terms and the standards give you a beautiful common language for that. It's the lingua franca of teaching. And yeah, I really... Um, I've really come to see it in a, in a fresh new way through the work that I do. That was a very verbose and circuitous way of describing um, what I'm proud of. But I think being being able to contribute and, and in some way in an, almost an invisible way because I'm not standing in front of a classroom and, and, I'm, and I'm not always standing in front of teachers either. Um, but being able to um, put my my work and my hands, you know, to something that will ultimately um improve the profession and strengthen the profession. I think that's something to be really proud of. I think uh, the standards certainly uh, have uh, garnered some bad press perhaps and so bad um, 
healing, particularly in states where they weren't implemented well, or they were implemented in a rush or um, seen as a more um, draconian thing rather than something just to express who we are as teachers, as a profession, um, which has been the key thing of changing um, public perception of teaching as a trade to teaching as a profession, which I think is still very much um, ongoing and certainly something we're hoping to do with this podcast is just a little contribution into uh, uh, the education discussion of teachers as professionals. I then asked Rebecca what she hoped for the future of education. I keep saying definitely, but you know, the future is one of those uncertain quantities and in comes my other half. Hello, Che. <laughs> At this point, we were interrupted by Rebecca's partner and a lot of hilarity followed as we recreated the famous BBC interview where Professor Robert E. Kelly was interrupted by his two toddlers and his wife. Uh, but once we had her partner back under control, we could continue the conversation. This is why Rebecca's answer is actually broken of idealism mixed with a little bit of realism as well. Um, I've got a couple of things and I suppose, you know, doing this work, um, you know, obviously it's heading towards that. Um, I'd like to see that, you know, something you said before really struck a chord for me that, you know, we talk about the standards, um, you know, you can see it as compliance or you can see it as actually validating who we are as a profession. And I would love in Australia to uh, to see, a, I think, a more you, you know, greater consensus or a greater um, perception and, and understanding and appreciation of education and the incredible value that it has. Um, I'm just going to hold my microphone a little closer to my mouth. Um, but yeah, I, I'd love to see that that shift for teachers because, you know, when we, when we value education and we value teaching professionals, um, we can actually make steps forward. And I know a lot of teachers who feel really um, frustrated by the public perception and what we do as teachers. Um, I guess some other things that, that have just come more personally from experience, I'd love to see um, better mental health in schools um, for students and for, for teachers. Uh, we're under a lot of pressure um, and there are a lot of reasons for that, a lot of complex reasons for that, but I think we are getting a better understanding of uh, things like you know anxiety and mental health issues in schools and I'd love to see that change in the future. Um, and that will come probably from a combination of, you know, what governments are doing, but I think really on community levels as well. Um, I'd like to see, you know, more, more of what I love about teachers, which is that sharing of, you know, best practice or evidence-based practice. I love when teachers share great things that they're doing, and I love when we can learn um, from other sectors and learn from other countries, um, and we have so much at our fingertips to be able to make that happen. So. I think education's got a, an incredible future ahead of it, but um, there's a, a, a lot of work that always needs to be done uh, to make that happen. One of the uh, problems, I think, with addressing mental health in Australia is particularly, I think it's been ignored for a long time, and then it's taken many years to establish the vocabulary around mental health. And we still seem to be in that final stage of just establishing the vocab before we can actually even start working at it cohesively as a teaching force. Um, so, yeah, it's very much something I'm aware of too and would love to see addressed more properly. <laughs> properly is a bad word. Um, fully. Um, and I do love that you mentioned the mental health of teachers and, of course, support staff, that we need to um, actually focus in on that. Uh, we tend to um, drop teachers into teaching 
without much support or telling them where to, they can find the support, particularly if they start as casual teachers. Uh, so I think some of the work that you do with accreditation does lead into that. You're not only supporting them professionally, but sometimes you're also saying, it's okay, take a deep breath. <laughs> we can work through learning how to teach. Uh, so you're in a very important spot there to help a lot of teachers with their mental health. So thank you. <laughs> Accidental mental health help. Uh, I want to talk about your career a little bit. You, you mentioned at the beginning uh, going up and volunteering at the English Teachers Association stand um, at one of their conferences, I'm guessing, um, and actually just putting your name down and not knowing who the other person was on the other side of the table who turned out to be Eva Gold. Um, and just having the gumption to stand up and say, yeah, I, I want to do something, but I'm not quite sure what to do. Uh, I started in a very much similar way, not quite sure how to um, do something about putting my name down. Um, could you talk about your formative years of your career and how you've got to this place? We're doing incredibly well, folks. If you, if you, anyone hears the outtakes of this, um, <laughs> this is like having a conversation by post, um, but we're doing well. Through both your paid and volunteer work, got you. Um, I'm going to start with the, I guess, the, the volunteer stuff and the, and the paid stuff. Um, kind of uh, weaving together. Um, I, as an early career teacher, um, was given an opportunity to attend um, an English Teachers Association conference. It was my first contact with the association. Um, you know, I'd heard of it at university in my training, and um, but it was because my school was was really supportive of you know allowing young teachers to go off and and uh, and develop professionally and have those experiences which are so important you know outside of the classroom and to bring something back and um, so I think that it was a fairly organic thing volunteering I think uh, it's it's also something that you know comes with a bit of discipline too because if you talk to teachers they will always tell you the one thing that we would love more of there's never just one thing but we would certainly love more time and you need to be good at managing time I think and, and knowing how much, where your margins lie. That kind of taps back into mental health again, doesn't it? Um, so going back to the beginning, my father's a teacher and so I knew a bit about what the life was like and uh, I was a bright student, I suppose, and I saw my dad teach and I saw the kind of things he did and I knew teachers like growing up. So I had a lot of role models who were teachers. I never wanted to be a teacher. He's actually just recently <laughs> retired too and he's now travelling around Canada. Um, I, I, a lot of my role models were teachers. Um, I had the benefit of having some very influential teachers in my life and I saw how hard they worked but I also saw how important the, well, the work they, they did was um, and I had that, you know, that little seed of the love of learning and um, being the kid who just anything new you could bring and I wanted to, to do that but I didn't want to be a teacher straight away. In fact, straight out of uni my father said, um, he said, now you're going to finish that law degree aren't you? <laughs> um, and so I think I once wrote in a, a really uh, funny bio that um, I surprised my parents dropped out of law school and became a teacher. Um, I started teaching when I was 30 so I came to the profession a bit later than some and um, I had had an experience teaching in an independent school before that where um, again I had an opportunity to, to, to teach for a block and um, you know, I had an arts degree and this was 
pre the current system. And that sort of stirred something in me. Uh, I could see myself doing that. It's really important when you're trying to figure out what you want to do to kind of mentally go there before you go there in a way. Try and visualise, you know, can, does this, can I see myself doing this? You know, and can I see myself doing this in a sustained way? Um, I went to the University of Sydney and I did a Masters of Teaching and and I, think I had a scholarship. So I was actually a um, placed in a school and I was placed in a school that I had never heard of before and I'm, I apologise to that principal. At the time I thought when I first heard on the phone that I was um, being asked to go to this particular school, I thought I was out somewhere out west in the boonies, you know, a place I'd never heard of. It turned out to be a place I drove past um, every other day. Um, and yeah, I started working for the Department of Education um, in 2009 and in an area that I hadn't grown up in uh, with kids who were not like me when I grew up and I remember the first challenge there was, you know, how do you relate and how do you take something that you're really passionate about and instill that into other people and to young people and I think that continual sense of um, wanting to do to do the work well, to I've always felt the weight of responsibility, um, not just the, the certainly the responsibility and the accountability for the work that we do, but um, the responsibility in that I was this you know, adult in these young people's lives, and um, I don't think teaching something you ever get good at and then plateau. I think you can choose to perhaps plateau, but um, for me, things kind of just developed out of that desire to continually improve and to continually um, learn more. I had no idea that jobs like this existed um, and I, I certainly wouldn't have considered myself, um, you know, worthy is a strange word to use in this way but um, I, I just sort of knew the next step and so I know people who plan their careers beautifully, you know, and have a very focused and driven and um, I just kind of, you know, put my hand to the plough and, and said, right, I'm, I need to get better at this. How do I get better at this? And and it's always been a really relational kind of thing. You know, you meet another teacher who's, who's brilliant at classroom management or you meet a teacher who can really unpack how to write an essay and you get yourself around those people and you read the things that people want to write and you, you know, you go to these sort of conferences and you get involved in professional associations and I think... Jobs like ours, you know, they're not just jobs, they're, they're kind of callings in a way. That sounds really idealistic, but um, it doesn't. Ju it's not just me kind of shaping young minds. I really feel like the profession shapes us. Wait. I'm mindful that there, there might be some young or new teachers. So I'm not saying uh, don't plan anything. <laughs> it's good to have a plan. Um, it's good to have goals, great to have goals to kind of you know aim towards and be focused about. Um, I didn't have that plan when I first started teaching. So um, I, I think a lot of it had to do with very um, felicitous encounters with, with great teaching professionals. You know, I think ours is a profession where not only it's the profession that influences all others, but we influence each other. And yeah, it kind of grew out of that. Um, that's not to say that I didn't want to be a teacher, you know, and, and that I didn't care about my job at all. I, I care and still care um, deeply about the work we do. 
I keep calling it the work and I want to almost call it, you know, the kind of the calling. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't have a plan and even in the role that I'm in now, it was um, I think through having known some people a few steps down the track uh, and, and mentors who uh, I think you really need to seek out mentors as teachers. Uh, you can have your theory, you can have your practice, but you need to, to find somebody who's gone there before you and, uh, and, and really listen, be discerning, but, but listen to the wisdom of, of those people. And yeah, that kind of led me to where I am now. And I don't, I'm not finished yet. I've, I feel like I'm only just, uh, just starting. So I'm in this for, I think, a long haul. No, that's brilliant. Um, we're quite alike in that. Um, I, I saw myself as a teacher. I really didn't see myself as being outside of the classroom at all. But um, opportunities did arise. And lacking a grand plan for my career, as some people have very finite career, uh, uh, definite plans that they want to do with their career, um, being able to just step sidestep through your career and say okay that's an interesting opportunity I'm going to go try that for a bit and then sidestepping again yeah I'll try this for a bit as well and always keeping your eye on the classroom even though you're outside of it for a bit which is why I kept volunteering with um, our association um, it, you can bring so much more and I, I kind of anticipate with great excitement the day when I head back into the classroom because I think I'll come back a far uh, more rounded teacher at the end of yeah, all Yeah, I actually um, I feel the same way too. After I think about the first month of um, the role that I'm in at the moment, and remember I'm just at the, the beginning of that three-year uh, term, um, I, I, said to, I said to my supervisor, I need to get back to school. I've got to go and I've, I see things so much differently, and, and I, I need to go and implement, or I need to tell tell people. Um, yeah, you. I think you you really need to be open to those opportunities, and uh, even if you are somebody who very carefully has that five year plan, um, don't let that stop you or blinker you from seeing the things that could perhaps. Um, develop you in ways that you you need to grow. I, I, I really love that our profession is one about continual growth, you know, and I, I love being around people, you know, like yourself who are open to that. You know, what's new, what's out there and, and what can, you know, build me up so I can build others up. We should probably cap the conversation there on such a note of positivity about the future. I was thinking on the train on the way home today, um, I think teachers need encouragement you know, we, we can put our heart and souls and, you know, you can have so many late nights, uh, you know, marking, writing reports and you can get very task oriented sometimes in that and you can get discouraged and um, I think, as like, if, if nothing else that you take away from our conversation tonight, be encouraged. You know, I think what we do is wonderful, it's meaningful, um, even if, you know, I can't articulate it as well as you, Amy, but I, I think... Um, I look forward to you know not knowing what the next couple of years lie, uh, what lies ahead in the next couple of years. But um, what a wonderful privilege to be involved in um, giving that gift of education to to young people, so they will go out and uh, and make huge differences in the world. I love meeting ex students who have gone to become teachers as well. So so be encouraged that what you do matters. Thank you very much uh, for joining us here tonight. Uh, well, I've given it away. We're recording at night, everybody. Uh, so Rebecca has volunteered at night to speak to us about her career. Uh, so 
Thank you so much. Um, I might leave it there, but um, it's Thank been an absolute you, privilege been talking to you tonight, Rebecca. Thank you. It's a privilege to reflect on teaching practice with someone as genuine and thoughtful as Rebecca Ross. Although we've volunteered together for years, this is one of the first opportunities we've had to sit and really share views and for me to hear about her history. One of the themes we kept returning to was stepping up when the opportunity arose. This is rather apt because just as I was looking around for a volunteer for this first test run of a podcast, Rebecca accidentally dialed my number, which I'm sure anyone with an A name like Amy understands how often this happens to us. I leapt at the fortuitous connection and we made a date to record. Similarly, through both of our careers, we've taken the opportunities offered, even if they were scary or outside of a normal career structure. But although neither Rebecca nor I are career planners, neither did we sit around waiting for something to happen. We got up and volunteered and talked to people. So if you're listening and you're a teacher looking for work, I'd encourage you to get out there and make connections via networks, associations, teach meets, unions, be seen to be interested and people will be interested in you. My name is Amy Cotton and thanks for joining us today. We're interested in making episodes about schools and teachers from all over Australia. If you're a TLN member and want your school or colleague to be featured, get in contact with us via our Facebook page, which is Educationally Sound, or at our website, tln.org.au. Teacher Learning Network is a professional development provider with courses aligned to the Australian Professional Standards for Teachers. Annual school membership is available, which allows all teachers at the school to access as much PD as they want via online courses. Much of our PD is on demand, so PD can be completed when the teacher chooses. For more information, go to tln.org.au. The Teacher Learning Network is supported by the Australian Education Union Victorian Branch and the Independent Education Union Victorian Tasmanian Branch.